What a great, great song. That is the, the song of the church. And the song we did before that goes right along with the message that I'm going to be doing this morning. It's a perfect choice of the songs that we're doing today. Before I begin today, though, I would like to uh, just uh, go back to last week and what uh, Pastor Dan was talking about. Uh, he was saying about uh, he was dating himself by saying about the cassette tapes. Remember that? Those of you who were here. Well, cassette tapes, to me, are not that, you know, that big a deal. So he said he's aging himself. He's 37 years old. 37 years. I can hardly remember when I was 37 years old. As the old saying goes, I guess socks older than that. So the idea is that when he's saying about 37, it's like, come on, I can beat that. I can remember. And maybe some of you remember it. I know you're all a lot younger than I am. So the idea is that I can go back and remember before the cassette tapes, they had eight tracks. I remember I had my car, and I, I, at the time, it was a pretty nice car. It had the old mag wheels and everything and, the, and the, uh, you know, the, the air shocks and stuff like that. And I got this little box that I could put under the, the dash for this eight-track tape to go into and play. I thought that was really something. That was really cool for me. But then also I go back before that. And I was always thinking about taping songs, you know, from the radio, and they had the old reel-to-reel tape. Remember them? I still have one. I have it from when I was in the Army, a big old reel like this, and you put the tape through, and you, you tape it that way. And also, remember 33 and a third albums? You, got, you, don't, you don't even know. You ever see an album, you know what we're talking about, right? And the, the thing is, you know, you had like six songs on each side, and I go before that, and we also had 45s. Remember the 45 with the big hole in the middle? The 45, right? Boy, some of you are agreeing. Yeah, you see, do remember that, huh? You're okay, you're going back with me. Now, before that, there was a 78. And when you put that on the, the turntable, that thing spun so fast. I mean, it was really moving. It cracked and it crackled and everything else I got. And if you took it off and it slipped and fell, guess what? It broke. I broke different ones for my mom and dad, and I, I heard about that, and it was their favorite song, of course, the one I, I, I broke. But they would even break. Now you can take a, you know, these uh, DVDs or you know, CDs and throw them around and everything like that, that nothing happens to them. So I'm going back a long time. So I hope this isn't being taped or anything, that Pastor Dan will hear this, you know, but he's just a, a, a young kid yet. And, uh, but uh, yeah, the cassette tapes was a big thing for me. I still use them. So I don't know if you do or not. But again, we're going on with what we're talking about and the, you know, the, uh, the unexplainable family we're talking about today. And if you want to turn with me, and it's going to be the hope within. It's from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. If you want to turn or follow up on the screen and follow with me. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And it says... See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. 
But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning. Because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who, do, who does not love their brother and sister. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we again come before you now as, as we're ready to hear from you. Father, again, it's not me speaking up here, it's my voice, I'm up here, but you're speaking through me, and I praise you for that, and I give it all to you, as I pray that each one has come prepared today with an open heart to hear from you. And Father, that we truly know what you are trying to say in this wonderful book of of 1 John. So Lord, open our hearts and our ears, Father, as we are now getting into your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought you'd be back by 11. I said I'd be back later. I assumed you'd be back later. If you came back at all, you'd be back later. Well, I'm back. Okay. Is this rubble? It was just a little workout. Just stay loose. You know how I feel about that, Bob. Darn you, we can't blow cover again. The building was coming down anyway. What? You knocked down a building? It was on fire, structurally unsound. It was coming down anyway. Tell me you haven't been listening to the police scanner again. Look, I performed a public service. You act like that's a bad thing. It is a bad thing, Bob. Uprooting our family again so you can relive the glory days is a very bad thing. Reliving the glory days is better than acting like they didn't happen. Yes, they happened. But this, our family, is what's happening now, Bob. And you are missing this. I can't believe you don't want to go to your own son's graduation. It's not a graduation. He is moving from the fourth grade to the fifth grade. It's a ceremony. It's psychotic. They keep creating new ways to celebrate mediocrity. But if someone is genuinely exceptional, This then is they... not about you, Bob. This is about Dash. You want to do something for Dash? Then let him actually compete. Let him go out for sports. I will not be made the enemy here. You know why we can't do that. Because it'd be great. This is not about you! All right, Dash. I know you're listening. Come on out. Bye. You too, young lady. Come on. Come on out. It's okay, kids. We're just having a discussion. Pretty loud discussion. Yeah, but that's okay. Because what's important is that Mommy and I are always a team. We're always united against uh, the forces of... Uh, Pig-headedness? Yeah, I was going to say evil or something. We're sorry we woke you. Everything's okay. <laughs> 
Go back to bed. It's late. Night, Mom. Night, Dad. Good night. In fact, we should all be in bed. that uh, this series is based on is, is in this one statement that Pastor Dan's been saying, the supernatural power of God is truly unexplainable. The supernatural power of God is truly unexplainable. We're talking about the unexplainable family. We're talking about the true unbelievable power that we have in God. That natural power of God. It's really, it's hard to explain. So there's a way to know who the children of God are, and there's a test that you can, you can do. <clears throat> but the one thing I want to start with, do you know how the U.S. Secret Service trains agents to recognize counterfeit bills? <clears throat> it is not by studying counterfeits. There are just too many various kinds of counterfeit bills out there. They train by studying the real thing. Once they know the intricate details of the real thing, then the flaws of the counterfeit, they just leap out off the face of the bill. So here in our text, John doesn't go into a long discussion about recognizing false Christians. Rather, he tells us how to recognize true Christians. This morning, as we continue to look for answers, I want us to look at bettering our relationship with Christ. Everyday Christians walk around wondering if they will make heaven. You ask them the question, when you die, will you go to heaven? I've heard that over many, many, many times. I'm sure you have talked about it and heard different ones saying that. And what's the response? They usually say, I hope so. And then go into what, what accomplishments they have done and how, you know, how hard they They've, they've tried to live a good life. You ever hear people talk like that? You know, you ask them that, and they, you know, the, the typical answer is, I hope so. I really hope so. I really had a good life. I mean, I did things as best I could. I tried to be a good person. I did everything I could, so I hope I'm going to heaven. So this morning's text tells us that every one of us has an opportunity to be a child of God. Because God dares I mean, cares and loves each one of us. He loves us so much. Each one of you has value. That is so hard for us to accept nowadays. There's so many people who look at themselves and say, I am not worthy. I am nothing. God doesn't care about me. I've done too many things wrong. He doesn't love me anymore. I want to tell you this morning that God cares and loves each one of us. And we have value in each one of you, Jesus chose to go to the cross for. What does that say to you? He went to that cross for each and every one of us. Not just for the people on this side of the room and not this side or vice versa. He went to that cross for every single person. The sad thing is, but not everyone in the world will make heaven. Now, each one in the world is not a child of God. The difference between a child of God and who the Bible calls children of the devil is our response to Jesus Christ and how we live our lives. That's what it's all about. This, this life here is how we live our lives. What do we do with our lives? What are you doing with your life? Are you wasting it just trying to make money? Are you trying just to, to get a better job, to do 
the veteran sports or whatever it is, or just have a good time. Our job is to live our lives for Jesus Christ. The question I want to ask you is, as we look for answers is, how do you know that I will make heaven? How can I be sure? That's what we're talking about. It's what John wants us to know. Have you seen the, that commercial years ago? I don't know. Again, I'm going back. But you remember the old commercial, Got Milk? Remember that? Uh, they had that? I'm a milk drinker. I love to drink milk. It's very good. And I always remembered that, that commercial. <clears throat> and I'll begin by with, to answer and ask you, got hope. That's what we're talking about. Do you have hope in your life today? That's what this is all about. Hope itself. Our ability and strength to live healthy, productive lives depends on the hope that is in our hearts. <clears throat> I think that a life without hope is a living hell. Think about that a minute. If you have no hope in your life, what is worth living? Why is it worth living? Why is it worth going on? The one thing that scares me about hell is that there will be an absence of hope. You can never for eternity change your situation. <clears throat> Just think about that a minute. <clears throat> that alone is hell. Because to, to realize that you are here in this situation and there's nothing, there's no hope of ever getting out of that situation. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You ask God to fill you with joy and peace as we trust God. That hope may overflow us by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Hope is a contagious thing. If you have hope, you're excited about things. If you're excited about coming to this church... If you're excited about our new pastor, you're going to tell somebody else about it. Wow, you've got to come over to Palmyra Grace. we got a new pastor there. It's exciting. He's teaching us. He's exciting to watch. He's a young fellow who's really got his heart and right with God, and he's teaching us. You get hope. You're excited, and you tell others, and people hold on to that and thinking, wow, i got to go see this. i got to see what's going over there at Palmyra Grace. I like being around people with hope, don't you? People who are excited about living for Jesus. People who are excited about who they are in Christ. I love being around people that I can see the Holy Spirit working in them. You just know that the Holy Spirit's living within them. And they're, they're exciting. They're, they're, you look at them and say, what, what is it with these people? Why are they that way? That's what God wants us to live like. John tells us in verse 1, <clears throat> How great is the love the Father has lavished that we should be called the children of God. That God loves us. That he cares for us. He desires to be a part of our lives. That gives me hope. Doesn't that give you hope? Doesn't that make you, can you feel it? To know that God loves and cares for me. And that he cares for you. That should get you excited right away. To know that the creator of all things, God who created everything. He loves you. He loves you. And you say, me? I'm nobody. Why would he love me? I'm a nobody. I don't do anything special. But he died on the cross just for you. That means that you're special. That gives us hope. 
Now, unless you're here this morning and you do not know if you are a child of God, unless you battle every day struggling inside of who you belong to, being a child of God keeps me going when my tank is empty. You ever been there when you just feel you're, you're tired, you're worn out, you're at the end of a day and you just, oh, it's like, oh, I don't know, but you just have that hope in Jesus Christ and know that I live another day and maybe I'll say, if it's his will, I'll see another day and I can live for him and make a difference in people's lives. Because of that great hope of one day standing before God, just imagine this, standing before God and enjoying heaven because of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Someday we'll be in heaven. These lights are bright, but nothing compared to being in heaven where the, the light of God will shine around us. There will be no shadows. There will be no, nothing like that because it encompasses us with his light. To be in the presence, and it's because of Jesus Christ. Nothing that I did, but what Jesus Christ did for me. That's the hope in action. That's hope in action. Grasp it this morning. I want you to really know that and really hold on to it. And I also know that the devil knows how powerful hope is. He knows hope is not a good thing for him. And that he does everything he can to rob me and us of that hope. He's doing everything he can to steal that joy. He wants to take it from you. When you get, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get the joy of salvation within your heart. And you know that you've been forgiven. He doesn't like that. He wants to rob that from you and take that joy away from you. Society's trying to answer the heaven, you know, heaven question with, I think so. And God is saying, put your trust in Jesus Christ and know that this morning that you can put your trust in him and know who you are in him. Now, I'm not a child of God because I'm better than anyone else. Far from it. I'm a child of God because I have received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Nothing that I do is worthy. It's filthy rags. It's only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I can be a child of God. There's an old song and it says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. When he shall come with trumpet sound, may I then in him be found. And the chorus goes, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Is that a great song of the church? To think about the words of that song. Sometimes we sing songs, we just sing them because we like the melody and all the harmonies, but we miss the words. Sometimes it's good just to take a song and just read the words and really see what it says. I am not a child of God for what I accomplished. It is because of what Jesus Christ did for me. John is speaking to believers. That's what he's talking to in this, this scripture. John is talking to believers. Believers who are being deceived, distracted, and had doubts of who they are in Christ. We as Christians, you, just because you're a Christian and accepted Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you, have, you might have doubts. That they might come against you. Yes, you have it. It happens. John tells us to remember or recall how much God loves us. Always hold on to that. This is the foundational love that makes us a part of the family of God. It's an unexplainable family. 
people want to have family. There are people that are committing suicide every day because they have no hope. They have no family. They have no one to hold on to. And here it is. We have the foundational love that we could be a part of the family of God. That's what we hold on to. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in a relationship with God and we have spiritual communion with him. The Father gave this love. He gave it. We did not earn it. I can never say, go before God and say, I earned this place in heaven. I was a great Christian. I did all this. I did that. It's just the opposite. I didn't earn it. It was given. It was a gift from God. He offered it to us first. It is what the the term, that there's a Greek word, and I can't, now all of a sudden I can't even say it. Help me. What is it? Prevenient. Prevenient, yeah. I was not a Latin student, so that is it. But they, it, it's, it's a Latin word, two words that say to come before. It's provenient grace. It makes coming to God possible because God has first come to us. Now participation in the family of God makes the believer a mystery to the world because they don't understand the Christian because they do not know Jesus. They can't understand us because they don't know Jesus Christ who lives within us. The standard of holiness is quite clear. We are to just, you know, to be just like him as children of God. We must reflect his character, his, you know, his attitude, his values, his lifestyle. That's what being a Christian, living the Christian life is. We are to conform to the image of Christ. So let's apply the scripture to our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and if you ask the heaven question, you would have to answer, I hope so. I want you to see by the authority of God's word, you can know if you are on your way to heaven or not. That's what we want to talk about. So how can I know? First of all, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 1 John 3, 24, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. 1 John 4 answers the question of how we can recognize the spirit of God. 1 John 4, verse 2 says, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. He tells us in chapter 3, verse 3, everyone that has the hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who has the spirit of God dwelling in them will live a life that is pleasing to God. Because as Jesus is pure, we will live our lives Christ-like. Now, does that mean we are perfect? No, of course not. We're far from perfect. I am so far from perfect, it scares me sometimes. I am so far. But does that mean we won't stumble? I stumble all the time. We stumble. Of course we stumble. But it does mean that we are attempting to live a life pleasing to God, that we're trying to do our best. 
We're not going to keep on sinning. But allowing God to help us in that area of our lives. When we stumble, we grab onto God's promise in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can hold on to that. When you're stumbling, you feel yourself falling, you can go to that verse, that scripture, and just go back. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Full consecration to God is evidenced by our choice towards, our choice towards being holy. That's what we, our choice is up to. Only God can purge and change a life. To purify ourselves is to allow God to work in us to be a living sacrifice to God. A surrendered life gives God unhindered space to work in our lives. When we do that, we can know that we are God's children. Number two, we know we're God's by lifestyle changes. Again, works don't save. It doesn't save us at all. It is grace alone. It's only the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But a new life in Christ will change the way we behave. 1 John 2 verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commandments. Acts chapter 15 verse 8. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did for us. You see, God is not a respecter of persons. He sent the Holy Spirit to disciples and he desires the Spirit for each one of our lives. He wants that same Spirit for each one of us. It wasn't just a special gift for his chosen 12. It wasn't a special gift for just this denomination. He gave this same Holy Spirit for each one of our lives. That same Spirit lives and dwells within each one of us. It's so often that we meet people, maybe you've never met before, but they're a Christian who are living the Christian life, and you've never met them before, and you talk to them, and all of a sudden you have this one camaraderie between us. It's that same Spirit that draws you to them. He lives within each one. It's that same Spirit. You do not have to be good enough for God to like you. That helps me a lot. You don't have to be good enough for him to like me or to bless me. You don't have to earn his favor. I don't have to, you know, earn it. He's not going to stand there and look at me until I do it right. I don't have to earn his favor. He accepts me in you. You must accept what he has done for you. You have to accept the fact what he went to the cross for each one of us. Approved by God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Worthy because of what Christ did. The blood of Christ covers you and me and God sees his son. I just love that. Do you really get that? Let me say it again. The blood of Christ covers you and God sees his son. When he's looking down on us, those who have truly accepted Christ... The blood of Christ is covering us. It cleanses us from our sins. And when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. I'm one of his own because of the blood of Jesus Christ. When you fail and fall short of the glory of God, it does not mean that you run from God. You know, when a child misbehaves and does something wrong, what's the first thing they do? They kind of run and they want to hide from mom and dad. That's the idea. That's that what we want to do when we fail or fall, you know, fall short of the glory of God. It does not mean you run from God. 
but you draw near to him. He draws you near. He wants you to come to him. You're invited to the throne of God, but I just failed God. But he wants us to come. He wants us to be there. He wants to forgive us because God convicts, but Satan condemns. Satan will tempt you and tempt you and tempt you. And finally, if you give in to those temptations, what's the first thing he does? He goes before the throne and he, and he accuses you and say, look at him. He's just, he's just a hypocrite. Look at him. He has nothing. He failed. Satan condemned. God convicts. Don't let the accuser run you away from God. Run back to God with your arms open. But let God lift you when you fall short. He wants to be there and be a part of your life, every part of it. Sometimes we don't act like children of God. And your heavenly father has to deal with us, you know, desiring that, that lifestyle change. He's got to deal with us all the time. And sometimes it seems like he's just like, you know, what's he going to learn? Dick, when are you going to get it? When are you going to learn this? But he loves me and he wants me to continue on. And he's always there for me. We must allow the father to do what is needed and we do not rebel against it. And number three. We know we are God's by our love towards others. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. 2 Timothy 2, 19. The Lord knows those that are his, and everyone that confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. We should love our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the key. We should love each other. We should be concerned for the salvation of our neighbors. We shouldn't just ignore our neighbors and say, They're, let their do the, them do their thing as long as they don't bother me. No, we should be concerned for our neighbors. We should be concerned for those in our family who don't know Jesus Christ. We should know that we have a job to do. We should win, try to win them to Christ. And that's like these roses that we talk to them. And then bring your red rose in here and then eventually that white rose. Now listen, this morning, the second mouse gets the cheese. Think about that a minute. I just threw it in there just to see if you're listening to me or not. But think about it anyway. But when everything is coming your way, you're on the wrong side of the road. Why is love so important? What's so great about love? Because a lack of love is a spiritual problem that gives the devil a foothold in your life. Understand what I'm saying. A lack of love, it's a spiritual problem. It gives the devil a foothold. He's looking for something that he, a little crack that he can get in. He's looking for some way to get into your life, to disrupt it, to steal your joy, to steal the joy of your salvation. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what, God, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Let me bring this, this home and make it personal. <clears throat> if you answer the question about ha heaven with, I hope so, you probably would have to admit that relationship is not where you would like it to be. If you cannot say this morning that the Spirit of God bears witness with yours, there is uncertainty. 
if you have not seen a life change or cannot remember a time that, you know, God has tugged at your heart, you have uncertainty. If you do not have a love for others, let's be honest. If it's all about you and maybe just your family and no one else, today's the day the Lord is speaking to you. In a world that does not believe in absolutes, you've ever heard that, there are no absolutes. There is an absolute. The thing is, God loves you and desires for you to be a strong and active part of the family of God. That is what God wants from us and for us. And Jesus' death on the cross was not an accident. That was not a mistake. It was planned before the beginning of time. This was something that was planned out perfectly that God had before, you know, before God, Satan even knew what was going on. Satan thought he won at the cross. When, he was cruci- when Jesus was crucified and, and buried, Satan rejoiced and said, he's finally beaten God. I've won. I've beaten him. And then finds out in three days he rose again and he did exactly what God wanted him to do. Satan just was a pawn in God's great plan of using him. It was not an accident. It was a plan, all planned out. It had a purpose. He gave his life. It was not taken. The Roman soldiers on that cross, when they put him on the cross and nailed him to the cross and put the spear in his side, did not kill him. He, was, he gave up the ghost. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. And he laid down his, his life. He laid it down for you and for me. That's what he did. That's love. That's the true love that John is talking about. That's what he did. He surrendered his life for us and we must surrender ours to him. And when we do that, surrender, our spirit will bear witness to his. We will see a life change. Your life has to change if you truly give everything to Jesus Christ. We will have a brand new love for others. If you have the love of Jesus Christ within you, how can you not like someone? How can I come up to you and say, I don't like you, I, can't, I hate you, or something like that, when you have the perfect love within you? You have a brand new look at others. We can answer the heaven question, I know so. Because, I, because of what Christ did for me and for you. And we do not have to muster up what we think we did to, to earn heaven. We don't have to even think about that. I, not even a part of the conversation. I don't have to explain to you why I, I earned my way into heaven. I didn't. It's so simple that even I can understand it, I love it that way, because it's just the idea, it's what Jesus Christ did for me. There's an old gospel song that, that talks about when you accept Christ, you know that 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 you know, and the song goes on and on. You know. Can you explain it? No, it's unexplainable. But I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm a child of God. And I know I have etern- eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven someday. Let me close with this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verses 20, 21 to 23. Dear friends, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from it anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. 
And this is the command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The solution is to confess our sin. We all have sinned. Every single one of us. We all have sinned. We need to confess it. And that word actually means to repent of it. Turn away from it. Now, most people will admit they sin. Most people you talk to, they know they're, yet yeah, I've done wrong. I've sinned. I admit it. They will admit it's wrong, but they won't turn away from it. It's too appealing. It's got such a stronghold on them. They know they're doing wrong. They know they're living wrong. But they still can't do anything about it. And they don't want to do anything about it. They won't stop doing it. If you want forgiveness of sin, you need to repent of it. The scripture says we are to walk in the light. We see, we, we, you know, we, we are to have fellowship with one another. And as we do, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Jesus said, his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. I want to tell you this morning, we need to be sorry for our sins. That's, that's a given. We need to be sorry for them. We need to feel sorrow for them. But that won't save us. God doesn't want a feeling. He wants a relationship with you. This is a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship that he's a part of who you are. He's not walking beside you. He's dwelling within us. Feel sorry for your sin, yes. Confess it, yes. But most importantly, repent of it and begin to follow the Savior's lead. Live, change your life. That is what this life is all about. God is choosing a team for eternity. This is what it's all about. He's, he's choosing a team. He's choosing upsides. He's getting this team for eternity. He's choosing those who will follow and do his will. Many are called, but few are chosen. Do you want to be on that team, on that winning team? Is that what you want this morning? Do you really want that? The chosen are those who repent and follow and do his will. It's a true love relationship. What John is talking about, the family of God, is love. We are together in this as a family. We have different biological parents. We have siblings and everything like that. But the whole group of us, if we truly accept Jesus Christ, are the family of God. And he wants us to live as children of God. To have that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship. That's what this whole thing about in 1 John chapter 3 is all about. It is a love relationship. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, once again we just thank you again for this time. Lord, the simplicity of this message, Father, is it's really just living for you, accepting you. Not just feeling sorry for what we've done and realizing that we've done things wrong, but that we want to repent and start a new life. Father, we just give it all to you right now and, and ask, Lord, that each one here in their own self realize where they are right now. 
Do you really know? Do they really know that they're going to be in heaven? Do they know that they know that they know? Or are they saying, I hope so? I'm sure hoping I am. Father, that they can make a difference today by truly confessing, repenting of their sins and giving their whole life totally to you. Father, we pray for each one here. Bless them, watch over them, protect them, and help them to start that new life within you, living for you. In Jesus' name, amen.